called her and I said, you know, what's up with this paper, the Purkinje cell degeneration paper? And she told me about it. And I was like, oh my God, all, all these horses with shivers. I mean, people are going to start putting them down. You know, we've been treating them and not knowing that no one else in the world was. Welcome to Come Along for the Ride, a podcast for horse lovers everywhere. A place where we love to bring consciousness to the horse world. I'm your host, Tracy Malone, and this podcast is brought to you from my home in the Sanford Valley, in the northwest of Brisbane, Australia. This land I live on is Waka Waka and Terrible Country. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and to pay my respects to their ancestors, past, present, and future. And I'd also like to extend that respect to each and every one of you listening. In this episode, I speak with Dr. Audrey DeClue from DeClue Equine LLC. You are about to hear from someone who is literally revolutionizing the horse world and how they treat shivers and string halt in horses, as well as many other things. Audrey sees herself as an ordinary person who is changing the world for horses. You can see why I love this episode so much, and I'm really sure that you will too. The most important thing that stands out to me about Audrey is not all of her incredible education, of which there is years of, with an incredible breadth of both Western and Eastern medicines, but it's the fact that she has treated thousands of professional sport horses, and do you know how many she has been unable to help? One. Just one. And that one breaks her heart. Audrey is revolutionising the horse world, but she also needs our help. Have a listen to see how you too might be able to support her on her mission. This is extraordinary. Share it, share it, share it. Talk to your vets about it and then share it again, please. This is too important to sit back and do nothing about. Here is Audrey. Audrey, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Oh, thank you so much, Tracy, for having me. It's a pleasure. Ah, it's, it's great. And I've got a fellow podcaster. You might be able to hear the difference in the audio from Audrey. We've got two professional microphones, which just excites the, the little tech part in <laughs> your own podcast. Now, first, Audrey, can you tell me a little bit about what it is that you do? Well, I'm a sports medicine veterinarian. I work on sport horses here in America. And, um, you know, I specialize in lameness and performance issues and just overall problems. I don't do general practice, um, you know, just dentistry, stuff like that. And I also uh, was trained in acupuncture and chiropractic and I do some osteopathy and myofascial work. And so I kind of do a lot of everything. Um, And I think the alternative medicine and stuff really allowed me uh, to really learn about horses and their bodies and it really brought me down the path to where I was able to actually be a better veterinarian sports medicine wise. And also, you know, just simply the horses teaching me. Wow. I was so excited when um, a listener gave me your name. I've got some wonderful loyal listeners who are always sending me names and I looked yours up and I was like, wow, what an amazing thing to really get into. And you've chosen something that's a specialty and I'm, we will get to that for sure. First of all, though, I'd like you to tell a bit about your story. Did you grow up with horses? I grew up, uh, my passion and uh, life has always been with horses, you know, I, and animals, period. You know, I, I dogs and cats. I mean, I, I don't really get along with cats as well. as <laughs> I love cats, but I, I'm petrified if I'm a veterinarian reaching in a cage at a snarling cat. But uh, yeah, horses uh, have always been uh, my passion and pretty much led me down this path to where I feel like you know it is my purpose to do what I'm doing and I find very few people have um, actually have the privilege to be um, doing it you know people go to work every day and they don't like their job and I most of the time I don't even know what day it is and I get to be around horses all day just like uh, when I was younger you know you just there's something about them that um, they're, they're amazing animals and they've taught me so much. Um, my mm-hmm. education was extremely important too. you know, being a veterinarian. 
Um, and how did you transition? Was it something you knew as a kid? So you had, um, you had. Speaking of cats, mine's just jumped up on the desk. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably because I'm scared of the cats. And thank <laughs> yeah, God you're in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> she said, "Did someone say cat?" Um, uh, so you had horses at home when you were a kid, did you? And how did that transition into you saying, "I definitely want to study this"? What was that like? Well, you know, to be honest with you, Tracy, like, I feel like I don't really like talking about myself as an individual. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I, yeah. I really don't. I'm not much for, I think people have a history in the, and a past and everything. But for me, it's, I think that if every person has a dream of what they want to be is, uh, as a kid, and I always knew I was going to be a veterinarian, um, I took a roundabout way of doing it, but I still feel like what I do today is more important than anything in the past because um, what I did then with animals and horses and cows and everything else is, uh, you know, it's brought me here today. And I find that, you know, the past is, um, for me, it's always living today. Just, I, I'm not that type of person. I'm I'm always a today type person. And my history is probably going to be similar to other listeners that you have out there that have, you know, that aren't doctors, but they have the same upbringing and, and they're doing amazing things too. And for me, I just feel like a simple person. And my story is just like a million other people out there. Um, so for me, it's more talking about, you know, the horses and, and what they've done for me. Um, you know, so that really is. So specific horse? Was there one horse that changed the direction of your life? Not really. I mean, I, I've always had a connection to horses and, and to, well, to dogs too, to animals. Um, I find they're easy, easier to be around sometimes than people, as you know. <laughs> yeah, yes. um, but no, it's, it's not a one horse story. It's not any of that. It's about um, knowing that I had to, I was going to become a veterinarian eventually in my, my life. Um, and then the horses have really been the one thing that has been my greatest teacher. I mean, I've, you know, my veterinary education was so important and the foundation is so great to, to, um, to have uh, so many people, so many of my professors and all the doctors that influenced me through my career and uh, through my educational process, I mean, I remember them greatly. But as I got out into practice, it was, you know, it was really the horses that um, taught me because I was willing to listen and, and watch them, you know, watch their behavior, just like a farmer out there. You know, you can notice a cow that's sick in a herd of cattle, right? Or a mm -hmm. horse that's standing in the pasture and you know, they're, they're lame on one of their legs. I mean, you can see that, you know, you, you just know. And I just, um, I don't know. I, I, it's not, for me, it's not about me. It's about the horses, you know, mm -hmm. and I don't really like talking about myself because I, I really don't, I don't think it's really relevant. I think it's more about, you know, and that's why like for you, you have a really great podcast for listeners and people want to hear people's story but really I feel like in my life my story started um, as I became a veterinarian and I became uh, work you know became a better veterinarian because of the horses listening to them and solving the problems because I realized that truly they really have all the answers my patients have all the answers and it's not about me as an individual because I think that other people can do it I, I just think that we um, you know, we need to change our perspective on realizing that our patients actually have the answers. And I find that because they don't, they actually don't communicate, it makes it easier. Because if you're willing to listen, they're willing to show you. And it's pretty simple, because they'll never lie. You know, horses never lie. What's there is there. What's not, what not there is not there. They are very simple, very simple. And they live in the moment. And they've kind of taught me to be that way, too, you know. Yeah, and that's I why I kind of have the perspective that I do is I just kind of go day by day and, you know, enjoy my life. And, but 
I have the privilege of being with horses every day, including, you know, seeing my own horses too. Wow. Yeah. I can, I can see it and I can, I can hear it and I can feel it in you that, that, um, that effect they have. And I love that um, even though you've got such a strong science background, you've still been most strongly influenced by the horse themselves. It's a beautiful thing that you didn't get locked into the science, but you've brought both together to create something amazing. What was it that, um, what was it that the horses showed you that switched you, well, continued your education through to complementary therapies as well? It was actually, um, I was working at the University of Minnesota as a technician and uh, there's this little <laughs> Korean woman, her name is Fa Choi, and she is a human oriental medicine doctor, but she's also a veterinarian. And I met her and she really changed my path. I always was um, interested in alternative medicine and, and uh, you know, I've had it done to me. I went to chiro chiropractors and as an athlete, I, you know, we always had all a lot of alternative stuff that most people don't have. So, um, you know, I was used to it, osteopathy and stuff like that. It, and so as a practitioner, when I became a, before I became a veterinarian, I realized that there was so much there that we weren't looking at. And I met Dr. Choi and she really opened the door for me to realize there was so much more and oriental medicine um, it's, it's a really, you know, Western medicine is very strictly science and Oriental medicine looks at everything. It looks at your diet. It looks at your mental state. It looks at imbalances of your organs and everything. It's, it's a way of life. Mm. And whenever there's an imbalance in one part of your body, it acknowledges that everything else is affected by it. And that made a lot of sense to me. And plus, I, you know, I had been to oriental medicine doctors and they helped me whenever I was having, you know, any kind of illness or pain or musculoskeletal pain and stuff, just by doing acupuncture or going to an osteopath or going to a chiropractor. I mean, all these things, a rolfer, um, all these things I understood before I went to veterinary school. And so, with Dr. Choi, she's the one that really opened the door for me and helped train me to realize, because uh, she's the one that told me, all the answers are right there in front of you. Every single answer that you want is there in your patient. And whenever she said that to me, it, it, it kind of empowered me. You know, it, it made me realize that I needed to rely on science because she did too. And she's working at the University of Minnesota now. Um, but she said, your physical exam and everything that you do, you form a, you know, a, a diagnosis and you back it up if you need it by either blood work or radiographs or everything. But you already know about your patient before you even go down that road of diagnostics. You know, because oriental medicine people, I mean, they can look at your tongue, your eyes, your pulse, your complexion, your, you know, I mean, for them, and I learned a lot about pulses too, is, you know, you can feel somebody's pulse and interpret that. And it's an amazing thing. And it's an empowering thing to know that you have that ability. And I, I found that learning oriental medicine and acupuncture and chiropractic and osteopathy and myofascial work and all that, it just, it really opened up a door so that I learned more from the horses because then I realized that as they were reacting to me, as I was working on them, it really taught me how everything works together and just their behavior while you were working on them, were they relaxed, were they licking and chewing and why they were doing it in this portion of their body, but not that portion of their body and how things were tight and some things were loose and you know what I mean just it really it made me a better doctor and I started really I started really paying attention to everything about the horses how they felt when I picked up their legs how they moved how everything how they walked out of the stall you know just their eye their smell their skin how it looked their hair I mean just everything 
And so it really, it really influenced my life. And, and she was the one that it truly, she was the, I, I give her credit for really making me see that there was so much more. And also I pursued it too. You know, I, I went and visited and worked under people and um, got a lot of training on my own um, to be better. I just really knew I, there was so much to learn that we weren't taught in school and that's no fault to the veterinary schools. You know, they're doing a great job and the people they're teaching are, you know, doing a exceptional job, but there's they, so much more, as you know, you they know? lay a foundation. They, they give you a really solid foundation to grow from hopefully. Mm. Yeah. And I just, you know, and I wasn't getting the results you know, doing a lot of things like how we were trained, like with lameness exams and stuff like that. I would, you know, it was for me, I didn't feel right. People asking me for my professional opinion and they weren't getting results for, because for me, it's all about is the horse better because I don't feel right if people are paying me and the horse isn't getting better. Yeah. I mean, I just don't feel right. I, I, I feel like I, uh, there has to be improvement. Mm. And so I, I just really made made myself be better, and I practiced endlessly. You know, yeah. yeah. And I I love that. Um, you know, there's so many people who go on to study one or two things, but you've gone on to do three or four or five different um, modalities after that. And I've found in my life, I love all therapies, including Western doctors and lots of Eastern Eastern therapies, and. I ask my body what it is that it needs in a moment. So one time I know that, you know, my hip needs acupuncture right now. Another time I know I need my cranial osteo at some time. Another time I know I need homeopathy at some time. So I love that you've gone out and not just done one thing. You've actually broadened the spectrum so much on the foundation mm -hmm. that you were given in veterinary. What? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry, Tracy. I, I just think it's so important that people need to really look at things as a whole, like you're saying about yourself. And I work in FEI a lot and there, there's no, you know, you can, we can dry needle, but we, everything is, uh, you know, doing the alternative medicines. Mm -hmm. And it's so amazing that we have all these top athletes in the world. They're out there jumping in the world cup and the Olympics and everything. And most of the things that all the things that they're having done to them is manual therapies. And it makes such a huge difference in that again, proves that, you know, we, we have the Western medicine and the science and it is so important to use that, but to also for, I think the Western science to acknowledge that there's so much more out there that we need to incorporate in our everyday lives as veterinarians. Mm. And can you talk about a few horses that you've worked with and when you started learning these things, the difference you were able to make, like you were talking about lameness before and you didn't feel qualified to be able to get a result for a horse. Can you tell us a bit about a horse and a story that comes to mind? Oh, gosh, there's been so many. Mm, um, I'm sure. You know, it's it's a common thing where we're taught to, you know, flex and block horses and you know, jog them back and forth down a dirt road or a hallway or whatever else. And, you know, I think we've all done that as lameness doctors, we've all blocked them. And I just, I felt like I, you know, I'd inject the hocks or the stifles or the fetlocks or the coffin joints and the horse, you know, the, the owner owners would come back. I'd see the horse again in three weeks and, and, I'd say, well, how's the horse feeling? They were like, well, they got a little bit better, but they're not, they don't feel better under saddle. Mm -hmm. And so I'd examine the horse again and yeah, they look better, but they didn't feel better. You know what I mean? And I ride. So, you know, many times I get on the horse and I'd ride it and I'm like, yeah, this thing still doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still stiff as a board. It still can't bend right. It still you know, got its neck up over his head over its back and, you know, it's still not right. And so it's really not just one case. It's like case after case after case. And then, you know, riding my own horses and, you know, I just started really playing with things, moving things around literally, you yeah. know, I mean, it is just literally 
kind of like playing in the sandbox, making castles, you know, you, yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta start playing and moving body parts around and seeing how things move and how they actually work together. And it was really just wanting to know the answers, not, not just being uh, satisfied with, okay, we get to this point and then that's it. I'm sorry, but you know, the common thing that people always say, well, that's just the way the horse goes. Mm. And I just was never, I just couldn't, I couldn't do that for the horse. I mean, that's what it really comes down to. And if Dr. Choi hadn't told me all those years ago that, you know, all the answers are right there in front of you, right there in your patient, I, maybe I would have been like everyone else. I I don't know, Tracy, I I don't have that answer because I, I haven't done that, but I just, I kept searching. I kept asking why, and I kept studying the anatomy and looking videos after videos after videos after videos of horses and watching horses compete and figuring out, you know, the different disciplines and how they carry themselves. And it really, I just wanted to know why for the horses, because I couldn't accept that they were still painful. You know, I, I just, I know from being an athlete myself, it's, yeah, adrenaline takes over, but it's still, as an athlete, it's no fun to go out there and and have the kind of pain and perform with a high level of pain. I mean, it's just, you're not effective for the team. And I felt like the owner's part of my team, you know, they're paying me. The horse is the big main focus, but I'm also part of that team that's supposed to be professionally giving the answers, you know? So... Anyways, I I just, it was horse after horse after horse, actually. And, you know, even to this day, I mean, every single day I'm learning something. Mm. And I videotape every single horse I see every single day. And I go back and look at the videos and some of the things I say, I mean, the number one thing I say is, oh my gosh, I don't know. And I always praise how much I love the horses, you know, like, oh my God, this amazing horse. But, you know, so many times it's because I'm, I'm learning every single day mm. uh, because I, I, don't, I don't have the I answers. Don't, yeah, there's power in I don't know because if you, yeah. think you know and you think you've got the answer, there's no room for the real answer. In my experience, when you say I don't know, it opens the vessel up that allows the answer in. You know, it, it, it opens the space for it to come to you. Yeah, I truly believe that because I, I really, every day I feel like, I'm just a pebble of sand on a huge sand beach. I really do. I I just am always, always pushing to figure things out. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, Tracy, I, I never feel like sometimes I have all the answers because pretty much what we really do as doctors um, is find solutions to problems, you know, mm-hmm. finding the little specific answer is not always going to happen with with any species and it's just finding a solution to an answer to a problem or finding a solution to a problem to me is more what I like to do because I find that then I get results Mm. Uh, because I don't know the specifics many times because things have been going on for way too long and you know the horse went undiagnosed for many years or it you know how stoic horses are yeah I mean yeah, they can have a lot of problems for many years before they actually, what I consider, you know, almost become broken. And then it's, you know, really taking the time and patience to help them and gradually get them back to being uh, a performance horse again. And it sometimes takes, takes quite a bit of time. Have you always found a way though? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've only, um, in my whole career, there's only been uh, one horse that's been, I've had to tell the owner they couldn't ride again. Wow. Only one horse. And that wasn't, um, that was out of my control. The horse, we didn't know that the horse had an injury, a severe injury when it was four years old, jumping out of a paddock and landed on its neck. And, you know, many times as you start, as you start fixing things, as I always say to people, when you start fixing things, some bigger issues sometimes come up. And those issues are hidden by sections of their body musculature that's so tight and contracted. And then as things loosen up, other things become pretty, 
pretty apparent. And I always call it like the elephant in the room, mm. you know, because, you know, I'm, I'm so, I have so much respect for horses and their ability to tolerate things. I mean, they tolerate so much and, you know, I don't know. I, I've had just that one horse and I'll, I'll tell you what, it still, it still really breaks my heart, but um, you know, we didn't know. I didn't know that the horse had a severe injury and the owner didn't even remember it until mm. I started seeing the clinical signs. Yeah. Wow. And, then, and that's out of hundreds. How many horses do you think you would have treated? Hundreds? Oh, thousands. Oh, thousands. Wow. Oh yeah. It's, it's a large caseload. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, a lot of horses. I mean, a lot of horses won. I, but still, I remember that one because I, I'm, I, I like to fix things. You know, I like to get the horses back into competition and uh, I give people hope. I, mm. that's what I, people come to me for hope because they know, I mean, if it's severe, uh, you know, if I, but I'm also very honest with people, you know, if the horse was jumping a meter 50 and they've had, you know, it's been going on forever you know, it's not good for the horse to go back to that level. We can get them very comfortable where they can jump meter 40, but to go back up to that high level is, you know, it's, it's not fair to the horse. We have to all make the right decisions for the horses. Yeah. You know, that's what it really does come down to. Yeah. And you do, um, I'm so glad you're out there doing what you do. Um, their horses are just, there's thousands, thousands of lives changed because of you. It's extraordinary. Um, String halt is one of the things that you went a little deeper into. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Well, it's actually uh, shivers and string halt. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tell us a little bit about what they are as well for those who don't know. Sure, uh, shivers is a shivers and string halt both are um, a locomotion abnormality, gait abnormality that has been around in horses for literally thousands and thousands of years um both of the both of the conditions and people try to separate them from one for the other from the other but they're actually um i i consider i call it a shiver string halt syndrome mm-hmm. they're actually similar and they're injuries that occur in horses um for a number of years a colleague of mine um he and I had been treating horses with shivers and, um, and string halt. Um, and in December of 2015, there was a paper that came out. I mean, I, we didn't know, I didn't know that nobody else in the world was not treating shivers and string halt. I, I literally didn't know. I just, I lived in my little bubble and took care of, I take care of my client base and, you know, I don't really know what, what's happening in the rest of the world. Mm. So in December of 2015, I saw a horse for a potential purchase for a client of mine. And the horse had shivers in both hind legs, a really nice mare, meter 50 horse. And it was that day um, that I, I found out that a paper had come out uh, saying that, um, and people w- were taking what the paper said and relating it saying that it was potentially uh, a correlation between a cerebellar lesion, which is in the brain, like people that have Parkinson's, uh, they found changes in some horses that had shivers and they made the paper, people were taking a correlation between that paper saying that there was changes in the cerebellum and relating it to shivers, horses with shivers. Wow. And so if if shivers really was truly caused by a condition in the cerebellum, uh, there would absolutely be no treatment as far as, you know, I wouldn't be able to treat it because it's in the brain, right, mm-hmm. uh, with, with anything. So I had been treating these horses and I found out about this paper. So I thought, holy cow, you know, all these people, they're, they have no hope for the horses with shivers and string halt, especially shivers. And literally it was that day um, I called 
my colleague, Dr. Kathy Sano, she and I did the research. She's an amazing, uh, she was working, she's an amazing veterinarian. She's board certified in internal medicine. And I rely on her for a lot of information on all the internal medicine things that I saw in practice. And I called her and I said, you know, what's up with this paper, the Purkinje cell degeneration paper? And she told me about it. And I was like, oh my God, all, all these horses with shivers. I mean, people are, people are going to start putting them down mm-hmm. because, and I, I've been, you know, we've been treating them and not knowing that no one else in the world was. Wow. So I did all this research and literally Tracy, I didn't, I had no idea. I, I obviously, I mean, I said it in my podcast, I obviously didn't pay attention in vet school because I didn't, you know, I didn't know that shivers and string halt had been around for thousands of years and that nobody had a treatment and nobody, you know, an effective treatment. To, yeah. that helps these horses. And, and so I, um, I decided, you know, I had to do something. And so I started um, figuring out how I was going to do it. Um, and I had a really severe case. Uh, a, oh my gosh, this mare was so severe. Uh, she had shivers and string halt so bad that she couldn't even move. And she was six months pregnant. And it was actually that case. And that was in January of 2017. It was actually that case that it was a mare, a Pertron mare. And it was when I treated her and she got better and she carried the fold to term um, and she got, she went back to normal. Uh, it was that mare that actually was the one that pushed me to know that I really, I needed to do the research on it. And I, trust me, I am so not a research person. Uh, you know, to think about me in a lab or, or doing research is just, I'm, you know, I just am not that type of person. I'm, I'm just a regular common person that works hard. Yeah. So um, what was it like and how long did it take? Well, we, so this is, I mean, this is the, the reality of doing this. Um, I went to the, I went to consult with um, I did a case study on this severe horse, the the mare, the Pertron mare that was pregnant. And she went from literally the worst case I'd ever treated in my career of shivers and string halt together to normal. And I wrote a case study up, me and Dr. Kathy Sano, we wrote a case study up and we took it and we showed it to somebody at a university and they said, well, sorry to tell you, but this will never fly because... <laughs> dead serious. I mean, we literally spent nine months doing this and, and, you know, it was like, sorry, nobody's going to believe you because Mm -hmm. it's, even though we have, I have videos, everything, like every, everything, every time I saw the horse, I had videos of the progress and, and they said, no, you, it, you know, unfortunately the academic world will not accept this until you have evidence-based medicine, until you have concrete data and it doesn't matter at that time I had like, I don't know, 40 some odd cases that I treated 40 or 50. Right. <laughs> so anyways, so I was like, okay, well that didn't work. Um, so I started thinking, well, how can I prove this? And the only way I could do it was to, to literally buy a, what they call a 3d motion caption camera system. And that camera system uh, is what they use for like avatar, you know, like um, movies, literally mm-hmm. on with a green suit where they put have dots on a suit that they put on people and they move and it's in a three dimensional space. Uh, and they've done it on horses. They've been doing it with horses for 10 or 15 years, I think, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so anyways, I'm a pretty fearless person. So I thought, well, what the heck, you know, I, uh, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to save all these horses lives then and I, I got to do it right so um, I took a ton of money out of my savings account and I bought one of those systems and I didn't know Tracy that you actually need like a PhD in biomechanics and kinetics to do this <laughs> like, I <didn't> know. <laughs> like I, I'm just like well if they can do it I can do it well we did <laughs> we figured it out we had about a month and uh, Kathy and I both became, you know, very good at um, all these marker systems. I call them dots. Mm-hmm. And you put dots on the horses and you have a camera system around the space that you're working in. 
And it's really cool. I mean, it's really cool. You walk the horses through and all the dots light up and then all those dots are measurements and in a three-dimensional space. So we did a research study um, with, with normal horses and Shivers horses and uh, we're actually under review for part of that research. And, you know, we did the, we did the before and after treatment and we're going to be um, sending that off for, um, to a journal, a veterinary journal to get uh, published, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have tons of things that we're doing. But anyways, um, yeah, it's, this past year has been all about that research and, uh, and doing it. And the data is really awesome. But the best part about it is I actually figured out uh, we, we've done things that nobody else with horses has ever done uh, with the kinematics. And everyone that I've shown uh, the data to and the uh, kinematics to in academia, they're completely blown away by it. Finally. Um, yeah, so we're, we're uh, pretty happy, but there's so much, you know, there's so much more to do. I mean, it's been, oh my God, it's been a struggle. <laughs> it's been, you have no idea. It's just, you know, financially, there is no more. Luckily, my clients, I, I sent out actually, I got to thank my clients. Um, my clients were awesome. I sent out a funding letter and they supported me in the research uh, financially they gave money and uh, especially the Rebecca Shavlik and the Shavlik Family Foundation. I mean, I, I just can't tell you how much I love all my clients and they believe in me that much to be able to give money. And we did this research, but, um, but yeah, we're, we're sending things out now and uh, it's, it's really going to, it's going to change how, how people view shivers and string hauled horses and and the fact that we can show that there's an effective treatment out there so that these horses can get treated and that it's uh, not a condition that is caused by something in the cerebellum the the changes that are there are there but we don't you know i don't that's for the future to figure out the connection between those two Mm, but right now the brain is more a symptom than a cause well it's 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 just like a human um you know, uh, football players with uh, concussions, repetitive concussions, you know, they have changes in their brain, people that, um, you know, any, any change in your brain, um, there's plasticity, things can change and get better and the, the nervous system can rewire itself. And, you know, we don't really know the specifics about all that. So, um, you know, I'm, I know that there's a treatment because I've been mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah. And that to me is more important to give people hope versus say that, you know, there is no option here except for, you know, your horse is going to have this condition until the day it dies. And for me, that's not okay. We need to do more research. We need to know the pathophysiology of what's going. We already, we know where the area is that's affected the injury that is occurring. Uh, We don't have all the specifics because we need you know, we need to do so much more research on this. There is tons of research, but this also correlates to performance horses because it was through the horses that taught me, you know, where I needed to treat and how I needed to treat them and the response to treatment. So there's so much that needs to be done. And, you know, it's just literally, it's all about money and research and getting the funding to do it because you know, I'll be honest with you right now, my bank account is completely empty because I've <laughs> I put everything I've had my whole life savings into this to get this done so that these horses are not euthanized and that they have careers and that they can be treated and, and get better. You know, it's that this is, you know, my purpose in life is my passion is horses and, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll fight for them till the day I die. And you're doing such an amazing job. How can we support you? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, it takes money. I mean, we have to continue the research, Tracy, because not only, you know, the, the kinematics, um, I've been very fortunate because with, with the dots, the little dot system, literally, I can, I can show to people how a horse's back works and how the pelvis works. 
and how the neck, back, and pelvis work together and how their limbs and overloading in the front end and all these things, you know, like riding a horse, you have, I always say it in my podcast, bulge one side, hollow to another. It's always a problem in horses, right? Why can't they just go straight? Mm. And the reason why they can't go straight is because there is an injury. And it might not always be in their back or in their pelvis or in their neck. But if you have the hocks and stifles and coffin joints injected and the horse is still crooked, or you can't get the horse to bend one direction, there is something wrong elsewhere, right? And I find most of the problems are up high. Um, there's primary problems down low too. There's limb issues too I have to address. But the way we, we just need to continue the research. Mm. And it, it is about, you know, that funding, fi- financial support. And yeah. I'm, you know, it's, and we have, I've met with some people at other, some other universities, and I'm trying to, uh, I formed a cooperation with a couple, um, you know, to help with the research part of it, but it all comes back to, it all comes back to the money. It really mm-hmm. does. And unfortunately, um, you know, Dr. Kathy Sano and I, we've invested all that we possibly can. Um, and plus my clients too, that gave to the research, but you know, that was only for a small study that we did. And now we have to figure out how we're going to continue it because it is, it's something really, for me, it's nobody really understands how a horse's back and pelvis and neck and limbs and all that works together. And I'm, with the dot system, I actually can show people because nothing has ever been done in horses with the kinematics, with the dots to show those things. They've just focused on the limbs and stuff. Mm. And, and you know that from owning horses, most people are, you know, most of the lameness exams and that are through their limbs yeah. and nobody really looks at the body. And with the, with the dot system, we can pretty much show how everything works together. And to me, that's the most important thing because um, right now I'm working on designing a template form for horses to, so that we can actually put certain dots on them and put them through a, a program, a template program, and we can show what's normal and abnormal and show sections that are abnormal. It's, it's pretty cool, but yeah, as always, you know, money gets in the way of doing so many great things. And <laughs> I'm kind of in that position where money is in, and money's not there to be able to do some great things. Yeah. And to help more horses, because that's really what it comes down to for me. It's just, you know, saving the lives of horses and the careers. I mean, for me, it's performance horses and, and keeping their careers going. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and just lives going for every other horse out there too, that's not even in a career, that's just a loved animal. It's, oh, yeah. uh, it's so important yeah. and because the, the veterinary world um, holds so much um, power in the research papers that do come out, this is why people like you doing research is so important because you're bringing such a breadth of knowledge that a lot of researchers don't have um, yeah. into this field. So it's so unbelievably important what you're doing and it really is revolutionary. Like anyone listening to this is able to hear very clearly that what you're doing is going to revolutionise horses. Yes. So, um, yeah, it really will. Because to be honest with you, Tracy, the thing is, is that what – what I find, and it's very rare that a private practitioner does what I've just done because we don't do it. Like most people that are in private practice, they don't do research yeah. but because of the need to save these horses lives and to put the information out there so that we can save them, you know, save more lives. You know, I took on this endeavor and uh, most of the research is actually done in academia, you know, mm-hmm. at universities and, and huge companies. And so I'm, I'm kind of like this little like I said, I'm a little pebble of sand on a big beach because, you know, I'm kind of, I, I want to put out things that are relevant, you know, practically relevant for you as a horse owner, for people out there that are looking for relevant information for your horse, instead of all this stuff that really is irrelevant. You can't even, for me, a lot of the stuff I read in the kinematics, I can't even understand myself. I read these papers. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to read this like 50 times before I can understand it. I mean, I'm really serious. And so yeah. I want to put out stuff that's you as an owner and, and people out there. It's practical, not only for you, but for also for veterinarians, because 
we are all, we all got into this because we love horses and because we love animals. And we're all looking for practical things that we can use in our everyday life for you as a horse owner to help you in your horse. Mm. And that's what I'm trying to do is put out practical stuff that can help people. But it's, boy, it's, it's a, it sure is a challenge sometimes. <laughs> so not only be, can we become better educated, um, it's really important for us to know enough to be able to ask the right questions when body workers and vets come. So um, if you do have a horse out there, with these conditions, you can actually ask them to have a look at Audrey's work. That's one step that you can make. Um, that is really important because a lot of people probably don't know about this. I didn't until somebody told me about it. So here we are. We're word of mouth. We're a massive community. Let's start spreading the word of, of the work that Audrey's doing. And also on your website, we can go and donate funds if we, if we, if we would like to. How do we do that? Um, yeah, it's right there on the website. I mean, you know, I don't, I have a website up, but we haven't, um, we haven't really done a lot until we're published and then we can actually update more information. But until then there is a area, a place that you can donate, um, for the research and that money goes strictly into a research fund. And that's what we'll use for all the research, um, because it all has to continue. And, and we're, forming cooperations with universities so that people can give money and grants to universities and everything else. But it's, it's got a boy as, as always, unfortunately, uh, you know, money is, money is always the issue, but, and it gets in the way of helping these horses, you know? Yeah. And the, the research dollars are always highly sought after the, across the board in, in every bit of research that's happening in the world so yes it's um if if we want this to happen we need to step up and also you have your own podcast called the first the horse first podcast tell me a bit more about that uh the you know i started the podcast tracy just for this reason to give owners hope for their horses that have been undiagnosed or they're having problems with and just to give them practical information about how things work in the horse and for you as an owner to, to get some practical down to earth, uh, I guess, to answer your questions yeah. of what's going on with your horse. Because and to, people, to get us educated a bit more in, in, a, in a way that we can understand it. Yes, because you can go back to your veterinarian and say, hey, I really think it's here instead of here. And you kind of have to, you know, if your veterinarian isn't going to listen to you, just still have to guide them and, and, you know, challenge them to be better because I've been challenged by owners to be better a lot of times. And I, you know, we all have to listen. And for me, it's always about listening to you guys as owners, the trainers, and the most important thing was listening to the horses. Yeah. And I think that's really what the podcast, that's what I'm trying to do for you by the podcast is to uh, give people the ability to answer some of the questions they're having. And it's, it's about sport horses. I don't see regular horses, you know, mm. but, um, but it's mainly only about performance horses and sport horses. So. Yeah. But there's still things that we can take from it. Definitely. Absolutely. Mm. and um as horse owners we need to be the horse's voice you know we we really we know our horses better than anyone and we need to challenge and we need to step up and if we think something's not right we need to speak up yes you do and you need to find somebody that's going to listen to you yeah because it's really important that we we all listen to each other no matter what whether you agree or disagree you still have to listen and you know because the horse is the one that suffers yeah. It really is. It's the one that suffers the most in you as an owner. You know, you guys, I, as my own horse, man, I, I love my horse more than anything. And, you know, you, you know your horses and you need to work with veterinarians that are willing to listen to you. And that's, mm. that's really the most important thing. Mm, agreed. Wow. Talk to Audrey. What a pleasure it has been to uh, speak to you today. I cannot believe that I'm speaking to someone who's revolutionizing the horse world. That's, um, that's a bit special and a bit amazing. And um, I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. But most of all, thanks for everything you're doing to have thousands and thousands and thousands of horses that you've treated and won. 
that he couldn't get back up is just the most incredible odds I've ever heard. So um, everyone, every horse you've ever stepped into and treating God, they're lucky to have you. So thank you for everything that you do. Well, thank you, Tracy. But, you know, as I always say, they've been my greatest teacher. So, you know, it's, they really have, they've taught me everything that I know. Only because you're willing to listen and learn. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you too. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show. I, I, uh, have a lot of respect for everything that you're doing and getting the information out too for horse owners and and horse advocates and everything so thank you so much for having me on your show it's a pleasure and uh and i'll keep doing everything that i possibly can i'll follow a few leads here in australia and and see what comes up we'll um yeah there's got to be something we can do yeah thank you so much tracy it's a pleasure To connect with Audrey, just go to the show notes. All the links you need will be in there. And remember, share it. Share it with everyone you know and talk to your vets and body workers about it. It's too important not to share. I'm on a mission to create a community of gentle and ethical horse people so that their horses all over the world can live a better life. This is a big mission with a wonderful message and it needs your help. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to join me on my mission of making the world a better place for horses, please engage with me somehow. You can leave a review on iTunes or Facebook, share or comment on social media posts, or tell your friends about the podcast. You'll find all the links to our social media on our website, comealongfortheride.com.au. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you'll find me on LinkedIn. If your friends don't know how to podcast, send them to my website and tell them to hit play. It's the most user-friendly way to listen for anyone you know who'd love to listen but isn't quite sure how. I'd also love it, really love it, if you get in touch and say hi. Let me know who you'd like to hear interviewed on the podcast. I have some wonderful people lined up to speak to, but this is your show as much as mine, so please, if there's anyone you'd like to hear from, get in touch via the website or social media. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover, if there's something you'd like me to research more and really speak about at length or even just in a short way, let me know. I'd love, love, love to serve you guys more. Anyway, thanks again for listening and I'll catch you next time on Come Along for the Ride.